I invite you to join me this evening in Philippians 1. Philippians 1. We're going to take a break from uh, a psalm for a week. I'm going to be in Philippians 1. Many of you know Philippians is one of my favorite verses, chat books, and Philippians 1, verses 20 to 21, are two of my favorite verses. Uh, there's are verses that I have up on the wall in my office. They're verses that God has used mightily in my life. I've often said I remember exactly where I was in the Bob Jones Library on the second floor when the truths of Philippians 1, 20, 21 just hit me out of nowhere. And God used those, has used these verses mightily in my life. I'm actually going to start in verse 19. Paul says this, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You've probably heard Philippians preached before. You've probably heard this passage preached before. Many of us know the background here. As Paul writes these words, he finds himself in the midst of uncertainty. He doesn't know what tomorrow holds. He finds himself in the custody of the Roman Empire with a, a, a pending court date to go before Caesar, to bring his case, and he knows that at the end of this, he will either be dead or he'll be set free. That's what he's facing. And so it's a man in the midst of uncertainty that writes these truths. It's a man who sits possibly at the end of his life looking back not knowing what tomorrow holds, who writes these truths. So it makes these verses all the more powerful. It's one thing when life is going good, when I feel powerful, when things are working out to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's an entirely different thing to be at the end of your life possibly facing death tomorrow and to write those same words. And that's what Paul is facing. According to my earnest expectation. If you back up even to verse 18, Paul here writing to the Philippians, he's saying, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in this, this, this jail, I'm facing this trial and while I'm stuck here, there's people out there and they're preaching the gospel and sometimes they're doing it for the wrong motives. But this is what he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. I could care less what they say about me as long as they speak the truth about my Lord. I will rejoice in the gospel. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. It's kind of a double meaning there. My deliverance. In the next coming verses, he says, whether by life or by death, I'll be delivered. 
It might be by death and it might be by life, but deliverance is coming. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with boldness. As always, so now in this moment, Christ will be magnified in my body. That's my goal. As I sit here, as I don't know what tomorrow holds, regardless of what tomorrow holds, my goal is tomorrow to magnify Christ in my body. Whether that means living another day or dying. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The reason that Paul can say, Christ be magnified, whether life or by death, is because he knows that for him to live is Christ and to die is gain. He knows that if tomorrow comes and he is released, that he will go and he will make disciples and he will plant churches and he will preach the gospel and God will work through his word. Paul understands the words that that he's written before in 2 Corinthians 5, that I am an ambassador for Christ. The truth that he has written before in Galatians 2.20, that it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. If I live, I live for him. And if I die, I gain. 2 Corinthians 5.8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And what encouragement these truths are to us as believers, as those who are in Christ, to know that if for me to live is Christ, then to die is always gain. Always. But the only way that death is gain is if for me to live is Christ. And that's important to understand. That is the only way that death will ever be gain, is if for me to live is Christ. There's a reason that this passage has been on my head, in my mind this week. This, this verse is, is always in my mind. It's constantly there. I, I probably think on it weekly. But this, this week, this has just been running through my mind. I've been meditating on it. And if I'm honest, it's, it's because of the helicopter crash on Sunday morning that killed Kobe Bryant. You've probably heard of, heard of it in the news. Sunday morning... There were nine people in a helicopter that crashed. It killed Kobe Bryant, his 13-year-old daughter, and seven other people, including a mother, a father, and another daughter. It's a tragedy. And yet what's been phenomenal to see through this whole thing is, is, is how big of an impact it has made. I mean, this is Super Bowl week. And yet, if you watch the news, if you watch the sports channels, 50% of their coverage is not on the Super Bowl. It's on Kobe Bryant and his life and his death. And that's something you don't see. The week of the Super Bowl, the biggest sporting event in American culture. And the majority of the coverage is on this man. You've probably heard of Kobe Bryant. He was drafted in 1996, 13th overall, at 17 years old. He was fresh out of high school. 
He went on to play for 20 years, all 20 years with the Los Angeles Lakers. Interestingly, he was drafted. Does anyone know who he was drafted by? He was, Jerry West traded for him. But who drafted him, do you know? Sports trivia? They're about an hour and a half from where I grew up. Charlotte. Charlotte Hornets drafted him and then traded him because Jerry West could see. He's drafted by Charlotte and then traded to the Lakers, played all 20 years for the Lakers. He was an 18-time All-Star, MVP of the league one time, five-time champion, two times final MVP. And if I were to go on and to read all his accomplishments in the NBA, we would be here for another 20 minutes. The man accomplished everything that every little kid growing up who dreams to be in the NBA imagines. In fact, kids imagining growing up to be in the NBA imagine being Kobe Bryant. He accomplished everything. Everything that you could ever dream of in the NBA, he did. He was a millionaire. Millions and millions of dollars. Not just through basketball, through marketing. He had a brilliant business mind as well. If, any man, if anyone was living the American dream, if anyone could have anything that they ever wanted, it was Kobe Bryant's. Yet as you read the sports articles, as you read the, the comments under it, this is something you continually see mentioned in there. I never met the man. I don't know why this bothers me so much. Multiple people I saw write that. I, I don't know why I'm crying. I don't even know him. I wasn't even a basketball fan. Why does this affect me like this? What is so impactful, so unique about this individual, Kobe Bryant, that people who didn't even know him are crying. That the whole sports world is, is shocked. It was a tragedy, but there's been tragedies before. What is it about this one? I would submit to you that it's the, the death of someone so powerful, so fit, someone who accomplished so much. And seeing his death in that moment brings us face to face with our own mortality. Everyone dies. Kobe Bryant, who just retired three years ago, who's at the height of the sports world at 41 years old, dies in a tragedy. None of us escape death. It opens our eyes to, the, to how fragile life is. How quickly it can be taken away, as James 4.14 says, like a mist, a vapor. It's so short. And what I found myself thinking this week, as Kobe is, is in that helicopter, if he sees the ground coming, if he knows what is coming, what thoughts are running through his mind, as his 13-year-old daughter sitting there next to him, what thoughts are going through his mind in those last seconds of his life? I can guarantee you those thoughts were not, I'm glad I won five NBA championships. 
I can guarantee you those thoughts were not. I'm glad I was an 18-time All-Star. I'm glad I won the MVP. I'm glad I was a two-time Finals MVP. I'm glad that I have so much money. I'm glad that I can afford a helicopter. It's not those thoughts that were going through his mind. What is so powerful about his death, this tragic, this tragedy, is that it opens our eyes to the stark reality that life does not matter. It doesn't matter. No one could have accomplished any more in basketball than Kobe Bryant did, and it doesn't matter one bit. Just a couple of years ago, there was a, an article in one of the sports papers when Michael Jordan turned 50 years old. And in this article, that they were interviewing him. Right, Michael Jordan is Kobe, but to another level. He, he's, he's legendary. Everyone knows his name. And he's made millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they're interviewing him. And this man is accomplished. He's done everything in life there is to do. And yet in this article, he talks about how miserable he is. It doesn't matter. Everything that he did on a basketball court, it means nothing. And that takes me back to Philippians 1.21. Where Paul, possibly in the last moment of his life, facing death, can say, it does matter. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Life doesn't matter unless you are in Christ. It's empty, it's vain. unless you're in Christ. At the end of Ecclesiastes, after coming to this conclusion that, that life is vain, in the last chapter, what does the author say? Do you remember? He says this, remember your creator. It doesn't matter. Life, life is vain. I've tried it all and it's, it doesn't do anything. Instead, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember him now before you're too old. Don't waste your life is what Ecclesiastes ends up calling us to do. So as I've been thinking through this this week, the thought that is constantly on my mind is if I was in that last moment of life, whether that, that, that's in a coming accident or, or whatever it is, what thoughts would go through my mind if I was sitting like Paul in a cell somewhere, knowing that I could possibly die tomorrow, where would my mind be? What thoughts would be going through my mind? Would I be able to sit there and say, if I get out of here, for me to live is Christ. But if I die, that is gain too. Would I be able to, to long for that, to glory in what is mine in Christ? Or would I regret what I've done in my life?
You see, there's nothing wrong with winning five NBA championships. There's nothing wrong with being an MVP. There's nothing wrong with being a finals MVP. There's nothing wrong with hitting game-winning shots. That's not a bad thing. In its proper context. But in the grand theme of things, in light of eternity, it's meaningless. My goal in life as a high schooler is to be a professional athlete. I, I wanted to, well, I shouldn't say high school. By the time I got to be a junior, I realized that wasn't a reality. But, you know, in middle school, in elementary school, my, that was my goal. I wanted to be a professional soccer player. I wanted to play in front of thousands of people. And yet, if you think about it, if I would have done that, let's just say, for the sake of argument, I would have gotten a college scholarship, I would have gone to the MLS, and I, probably not the, Premiership, MLS, I wouldn't have made a lot of money. All right, so I go to the Premiership, I play in, in England, in the, the biggest soccer league in the world, and I make millions and millions of dollars, and my name is known around the world, and then I come to 35, I'm too old to keep playing, and I retire. By 38, does any of that matter? By 38, do you think I care about the goal I scored? 38, that's young. And that's just in retirement. Imagine at the point of death thinking back, does that goal mean anything? The only way that life matters the only way that death is gained is if to live is Christ. And that's what Paul understood. And that's what I hope and pray that each and every one of us understands. Whether you're here and you're an unbeliever, and you're saying, I want that hope. I want my life to matter. I want to be able to face death and not... And not, not Mourn as those who have no hope, but to have hope. Or whether you're here as a believer whose mind has gotten off track and you, and you look to life and say, that matters, instead of looking to Christ. Either way, come home. Open your eyes to the reality of, of life. Live in light of eternity. Even in the little moments of life. They matter if they're done for Christ. So I'll just encourage you with these truths this evening. For me to live is Christ. And then and only then, death is gain. Remember that. Be encouraged by that. Use that to, to refocus, to live in light of eternity, to live now in light of eternity. When you go to the grocery store to realize, for me to live is Christ, for me to shop is Christ. For me to go to class is Christ. 
For me to be a godly husband or a wife is Christ. The parent is Christ. For me to live is Christ. Death is gain. That's, That's where my mind has been this week. I don't know about you if that's been on your mind at all. I've just been mulling that over all week long and I hope that it's an encouragement to you as it has been to me this week. We'll uh, split up and pray here if you have any prayer requests. Your deacons have a deacons retreat this weekend, Friday and uh, Friday night into Saturday. And so keep them in your prayers. Pray that God would give us wisdom and that God would give us unity. Uh, that would be a profitable weekend. Anything else? Other big requests that we have? All right.